the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. God says, if you want to live a blessed life, if you want my favor, you're going to have to live life my way. The second thing about Psalm 1 is not only is it a psalm of contrast, but it is also a psalm of influence. The question becomes, who or what is influencing your life? You and I will become like the people we hang with. We just will. And this is a great challenge about who are you hanging with? Who are the people who are influencing your life? Who are the counselors and advisors in your life? This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Psalms. Today, Pastor Gary will be starting a new teaching series through the book of Psalms, and he'll be challenging us to choose to walk according to God's commands and precepts. God makes it extremely clear right in the very beginning of this book that obeying His commands is what brings about a more blessed life. When we choose to ignore the boundaries the Lord has set out for us, that's when we allow the destructive fruit of sin to enter our lives. God's laws are meant to protect us and bless us. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in Psalms chapter 1 for today's message titled, God's Recipe for Blessing. The book of Psalms is really a book of songs. It is a song book. It is a hymn book that the Jewish people would sing. And these chapters are really songs. In a Hebrew Bible, it's called Sefer Tehillim. Sefer Tehillim means book of praises. And so that's what the book of Psalms is. Now, why is it that we call it Psalms? The Hebrew Bible says Sefer Tehillim. Well, we call it Psalms because it's derived from the Greek word psalmoi. The Old Testament was primarily written in Hebrew, but then the Greeks translated it, and so they called this book Psalmoi, meaning songs sung to the heart, because these songs were often accompanied with musical instruments. Uh, and so our English Bibles have derived the name Psalms from the Greek Psalmoi. There are 150 chapters in the book of Psalms, and so we will be taking a section at a time to try to make our way through the book, at least before Jesus comes. And so... Out of the 150 Psalms, the predominant writer of the Psalms is, of course, David. He wrote 73, followed by Asaph, who wrote 12. Asaph was a musician of the Levitical order in the Old Testament. The sons of Korah wrote 10. 
You might remember crazy Korah was killed by God because Korah rebelled against Moses. Well, some descendants of Korah still survived. They are of the tribe of Levi, and they also write 10 of the 150 Psalms. Followed by Solomon, the son of David, who's the third king of Israel. Solomon writes two by name. He's authored, he authored two of them. And then the rest are split up this way. A guy by the name of He-Man. I love that name. If you have a boy, name him He-Man. Terry and I are a little beyond having kids anymore, but if you have a boy yourself, name him He-Man. It's a superhero in the Bible. Actually, he, he also was a musician. He wrote one. Ethan was a musician. He wrote one. Moses uh, actually wrote one. It's Psalm 90. And then there are 50 that are anonymous. We call them the orphan psalms because we don't know who wrote one-third of the book of Psalms. They are not mentioned by any authors. The book of Psalms is really primarily about God and his relationship to his creation. That obviously includes us, right? We're part of his creation. A lot of the Psalms has to do with God and his relationship to us. It is filled with great amounts of conversation between a psalmist and God. It expresses a great amount of a variety of emotions from fear to anger to to tears to worry to to love for God to praise for the Lord. So but the primary purpose of Psalms is it's about God's relationship to his creation. And within the book of Psalms uh, we see that God sometimes appears as a powerful God and sometimes as a tender-hearted father. Uh, All through the book of Psalms, God reveals himself as one of these two. And in in the book of Psalms, we sometimes see that he's, as a powerful God, he's our king. He's revealed as our judge, avenger, creator, and healer. And then other times in the book of Psalms, he is our tenderhearted father. He appears as our shepherd, our refuge, our protector, our provider, and our redeemer. So that is a quick synopsis of the book of Psalms, but today we're going to be looking at chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles there, let me read chapter 1. It's only six verses, and then we'll pray, and then we'll dissect this chapter together this morning. So here's what it says, starting at verse 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pause there and pray. Everybody wants a life that is blessed. I think that's safe to say. I don't know anybody who wants a cursed life, who wants a miserable life. I don't know anybody who wants a lonely life. That might be the way you presently describe your life, but nobody wants a life like that. Everybody wants a blessed life. Everybody wants a life that you experience happiness and you you experience the good life you experience some measure of success a life that you can look back on and say this was a good life and you have contentment and satisfaction about your life everybody wants that but the question becomes are you willing to do what it takes to live a blessed life a lot of people in this world want 
a lot of things out of life, but not as many are as willing to do what it takes to accomplish a certain thing or to achieve a certain thing because they're not disciplined enough or driven enough to accomplish it. And the same is true for a blessed life. You can't just wish for a blessed life. You can't just hope for a blessed life. You can't just want a blessed life or even for that matter, pray for a, best, a, a blessed life. You have to live a blessed life. And God gives the recipe for living a blessed life right here in Psalm chapter 1. Now, before we examine this chapter together, I do want to point out a few things that are important to understand about chapter 1. And again, for you note-takers, the first thing is this. It is a psalm of contrasts. This is a psalm. Notice the first word of the first verse is the word blessed. And the last word of the chapter is the word perish. It is a contrast between those who will live a blessed life and those who will ultimately perish. It is a contrast between what the Bible calls in chapter 1, the righteous and the wicked. Or some of your translations say the ungodly. It is the contrast between the godly and the ungodly, the righteous and the wicked. Those who know God, love God, pursue God, and those who don't. Those who rebel against God, don't want to have anything to do with God, and are on their own path. This is a contrast of two lives. The righteous and the wicked, or the godly and the ungodly. This is the way that God discerns and distinguishes people, by the way. All right? God only sees two types of people. He sees the righteous and the unrighteous. He sees the godly and the ungodly. And the question becomes, will we choose the path of the righteous that we might be blessed? Because God's going to distinguish that here in chapter 1 and show us the contrast. Don't be offended because God calls some godly and some ungodly. This is the reality of the human life. We are one or the other. We are either pursuing God, loving God, knowing God, or we are rejecting God, walking in our own path, doing our own thing. There are only two kinds of people in this world. God says, if you want to live a blessed life, if you want my favor, you're going to have to live life my way. The second thing about Psalm 1 is not only is it a psalm of contrast, but it is also a psalm of influence. The question becomes, who or what is influencing your life? You and I will become like the people we hang with. We just will. And this is a great challenge about who are you hanging with? Who are the people who are influencing your life? Who are the counselors and advisors in your life? Who are the people that you surround yourself with? Because you will end up becoming much like they are. It is a psalm of contrast. It is a psalm of influence. It is also a psalm, of course, about blessing. That's what this chapter is all about. But this chapter assumes that we already understand something about blessing, and it is this, that all blessing comes from God, that God is the sole source of blessing. James 1.17, James said, Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. All right, so every blessing, every good and perfect gift, everything that is good comes from God. It comes from above. So these three things are important to understand. Now, I want you to look again at verse 1, because it begins by saying, blessed is the man or woman. This is a generic term here. Blessed is the man or the woman. And in Hebrew, blessed is the man is translated asheri haish. Asheri haish. Asheri comes from a Hebrew word, asher, which literally means happy or content. 
Verse 1 actually says, oh, how happy is the man or the woman. Oh, how happy. Oh, how content. And it is an exclamatory statement, too. It is emphatic. It says, oh, how happy or oh, how blessed is the man or literally that man or that woman who will live your life in such a way to walk a path that is less traveled. That man, that woman who pursues God, who determines to seek after the Lord is going to be that man or that woman who is happy and content in life. So that's what this psalm is about here. Now, I, I want to make it clear. I, I don't live in a bubble, okay? I understand when we talk about if you want to live a blessed life, happy life, content life, you want to have success in life, you better be on God's path. That isn't to say that people who don't know God are somehow all miserable and unhappy and unsuccessful. That isn't true. We can look around the world and we can see plenty of people who don't have a relationship with God, don't pretend to have a relationship with God, don't even want to have a relationship with God, but in a world standard would be considered successful. They're doing well in terms of wealth or advancement or promotion. So it isn't to say that, you know, people who don't know God are somehow now not successful. There are plenty of people who don't know God who in a earthly sense are successful. But the question becomes, to what degree are they happy and satisfied? Because there are a lot of people in this world who have accomplished a lot of things, done a lot of good, been very successful on a lot of levels... And they're miserable as can be. Not everybody. I get that. But there's enough people who would say, been there, done that, achieved this, accomplished that, and why is my life still empty? It's because they're missing a relationship with the Lord. They don't understand that true contentment and true happiness, true blessing in terms of the way the Bible defines it, comes through a relationship with the Lord. There's a lot of people who are successful, but not necessarily happy. How many, quote, successful people do we know who are also lonely and are also feeling empty? All right, you don't have to look any further than some celebrities who, in the world sense, have it all. They have fame, they have popularity, they have position, they have money. And yet, how many celebrities do we know who are lonely, dissatisfied, empty, strung out on drugs, been through rehab, or even worse, died in the prime of their life? Amy Winehouse, Kurt Cobain, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Heath Ledger, all dead in their 20s. And they didn't die because they were happy. They died because something was missing, because something was empty in their lives. I heard one time a quote by Johnny Depp. And Johnny Depp said, money can't buy you happiness, but it can buy you a yacht that sails you right up to it. (laughs) Now, I get the joke. But do you also hear in there the elusiveness of happiness? Because he's saying, well, money can't buy happiness, but it can buy you a yacht that gets right up to it. Right up to it. But yet you just can't grasp it. It's so elusive. If you don't know the Lord in life, then you can have happiness on a certain level. But it will elude you unless you know the source of happiness. You see, Simon Cowell one time said, quote, I get to points in my life where I sometimes think I'm never going to be happy, end quote. So we can look at a lot of people who in a worldly sense have accomplished a lot, been very successful, have a lot of money, done a lot of things. But if you don't understand this chapter here, you're never going to understand why it is that some people can have everything and yet feel like they have nothing. Why they can accomplish so much and yet be 
so empty. I'm talking to some of you right in this room. You've done a lot in your life, but yet you admit, but there's still this emptiness in my heart. There's still a hole here somehow. So good news for you. Listen to what chapter 1 of the book of Psalms tells us, because God gives us a recipe for a blessed life. Now, let me say this before we start to dissect this chapter together. I want everybody to understand, okay? If God does not do another thing for you and me, we're already blessed, amen? If God doesn't do another single thing, we're already a blessed people, particularly compared to everybody else in the world, we are living in the lap of blessing. So God has already done a wonderful thing for us. But what he's going to tell us here in chapter 1 is, here's how you stay content and happy in me. And if you follow this, this will go a long way to accepting and experiencing the blessing, the happiness, the contentment of the Lord. I want you to notice here again with me verse 1. I'm going to read verse 1. It says this, Blessed is the man or the woman who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Please notice the triplet terms here. He says, don't walk, don't stand, don't sit. And he talks about the wicked, the sinners, and the mockers. Okay, so that's the way this chapter begins here. Again, it's a contrast between those who know God, pursue God, love God, and those who don't know God, don't want to pursue Him, rebel against Him. This is the contrast. And the warning is for those of us who know God and pursue God, you better be walking on this certain path that he describes here in chapter 1. So, a blessed life, for you note-takers, number one, a blessed life does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Or again, some of your Bibles will say the word ungodly instead of wicked. Those who don't know God, don't pursue God and rebel against it. The warning is, if you want a blessed life, don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. We should never allow our lives to be directed, fashioned, influenced by ungodly people. Those who have no relationship with God. We will dialogue with them. We will work side by side with them in our offices, okay? We will socialize with them from time to time. We will love them. We will go to school with them and work with them. We will even hopefully witness to them, but we must not make them our advisors, okay? They don't have the counsel and wisdom of God. They have an earthly wisdom. We must not make them our advisors. If you need a good counselor, find a Christian counselor. If you need a good financial advisor, find a Christian financial advisor. If you need a good lawyer, find a Christian lawyer. If you can, I I, I guess. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that one. I'll strike that one out. But if no, no, I'm kidding. I know three, but it's. uh, But but seriously, if I'm going to be influenced or counseled or advised by somebody in my life. All right, I want somebody who has the wisdom from above. I want someone who has a biblical perspective of life. That's what I want, that kind of person speaking into my life. I don't, I don't want the wisdom of the world. And it isn't because, you know, we are in this pious sense, you know, better than the ungodly, and so we don't associate. I don't want them to advise. It's not that. It's not in that sense. It's in the sense that because I know that God's wisdom The wisdom of heaven is infinitely superior to any advice in this world. Why do I want to subject myself to something that is less? Why do I want to be influenced by something or someone that doesn't have the wisdom from above 
and the perspective of the Bible in order to frame the, content, the context of life. Why would I want to subject myself to something that is inferior to what is superior? Not in a pious way, just in a real way. The wisdom of heaven is infinitely superior to the wisdom of this world. We get that, right? And so between God and the Bible and godly people and the Holy Spirit, I want to seek the wisdom from above. I don't want the advice of people who themselves are often miserable on their own path. I want to hear from heaven. I want to know what God says. So I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek godly counsel from people who know the Lord and have that perspective in life. We are not to walk in the counsel of the wicked. Psalm 16, verse 7 says, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. That's Psalm 16, 7. You hear what the psalmist is saying there? Even at night, my heart instructs me. It's speaking about even when you're sleeping, God is going to minister his wisdom and counsel to you. In Psalm 119, 24, it says, Your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. It's the word of God. It gives us counsel. Jesus said in John 14, 16, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is referred to as our counselor. So we need to seek the wisdom from above. We don't lack for God's counsel. We simply lack for seeking it. So the question becomes, ask yourself, who have I allowed to influence me? Who do I make my counselors? Well, the other part of verse 1 there says that a blessed life also does not stand in the way of sinners. The word way in Hebrew also translates path. It is saying to us that there is a path, a direction, a road that sinners are on. That people who don't know God, don't pursue God, don't have a relationship with them. They're on a certain path. It's often a path that is based on self, it's a path based on pleasure, it's a path based on ambition, nothing wrong with ambition in the right context, but a sinner's life has a certain perspective. And what God is saying here is, don't get up on that path. Avoid the path of the sinner. Now again, it isn't to isolate ourselves, okay? We we are not to become isolated. We are to infiltrate the world. We are to um, be an example to the world. All right, so we are not to become exclusive and like, oh, I can never hang around sinners. That's not what the text is telling us. Meet the sinner on the path. Witness to the sinner on the path. Don't just simply don't run with a sinner in the circles they run with. There's a big difference. Who is influencing whom? And the caution here is if you want to live a blessed life, you should never be afraid to be on the road less traveled. There is a popular path that a lot of people are on who don't know the Lord and don't care to know the Lord. But if you want a blessed life, and if you want to live for the glory of God, take the road less traveled. Because on the road less traveled, there is blessing, happiness, contentment, and ultimately eternal life. Jesus even said in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate. And narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And so the the righteous can have confidence in Psalm 1611, which says, You have made known to me, you, Lord, have made known to me the path of life. 
You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Each psalm we read is intended to point us to one thing, the sovereignty of our Creator. Through pain, tears, joy, and praise, we meet a new characteristic of God with each new chapter. Though we don't know the melodies that accompany this collection of old, we benefit from the deeply passionate and poetic words. We hope your soul has been touched by the teaching you heard today on Cornerstone Connection. Pastor Gary Hamrick will return soon with more from this Old Testament book. But in the meantime, you'll be able to find additional messages at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd like to encourage you to download our mobile app while you're there so you can stay connected to God's Word wherever you happen to be. Each day can be made brighter by the love and power of our Lord. And it's so convenient to have it right at your fingertips. If you live in or are visiting the Leesburg area, We'd love for you to come be a part of our weekly worship services on Sundays. Cornerstone Chapel meets at 8.30, 10, and 11.45 a.m. each week. Or try our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. For directions and more information, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all for today, but be sure to join us next time for another in-depth look at the Psalms right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not alone Real love is calling Listen, truth opens up your eyes Mercy is waiting for you With every sunrise Hope is an open ocean Jump in and you'll find Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.